0: Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A-licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas and I've got a very special guest with me today. My guest today is Omar Rizza. How you doing Omar? I'm good, thank you. Very good. Good stuff, good stuff. Omar, just before we get into the thick of it, maybe just give a brief insight around who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, so um, I think, yeah, Omar Iza, you know, uh, been around a while now, I'm getting old, 43 years old, so um, being a professional footballer up to the age of about 35 when I retired and then, um, you know, started at Arsenal, went to West Ham and uh, went abroad, played in Turkey for six years, come back, played in League One, League Two, and then... Um, started my coaching journey probably when i was player coach for histon so dave livermore was a friend of mine he was manager and um um started coaching there really and then over the last 10 11 12 years i've been coaching now and you know got to pro license level and um working hard to get to where we're all trying to get to
0: awesome Look, i'm gonna take you right back to the start of it because there's a lot in there um and it's probably spanning over a good 15, 20 years, really. You know, you've done really well to ca- kind of capture that in, in about 20 seconds. So let's go right to the right to the start of it. Where did you first get involved with the game? And what was that like in terms obviously you mentioned that you obviously played out played at Arsenal at a young age, um coming through the academy there? What was that like?
1: You know, my my um, my my playing started at about still quite young, really, um, but not as young as what people are going now. I started at about eight, nine, I think, seven, eight, eight, nine, something like that. And I was I was really into martial arts when I was a, a young boy. So from the age of, must have been about five, six, I was doing karate, sort of got to black belt at the age of 12. Um, and I was really interested in, in martial arts. Um, and then football sort of sprung up and it was more, my, my dad used to play and um, I was really had a lot of energy and he used to take me over the park just with a ball to go and run around run around the trees and stuff like that just to burn off some energy just to get me out of my mum's hair I think um and it just started from there it went from school was playing I was really quick I think people clocked onto the fact that I was just like so quick um that they yeah I, I started to play for the school and then from the school obviously you know you've got parents who have who have got kids who are in Sunday clubs and then they say oh let's get let's get over there or let's get let's have a look at him there and I was just like so far off it in respect of understanding of the. Game. I think with my first game, people tell me my first game, they put me on the pitch and I started running towards my own goal to score to score in my own goal. Um, so yeah, full of yeah, just love playing it. Really love both martial arts and football, and it got to a point where the love for football become stronger, and um, I decided to go down that path.
0: Definitely, obviously, you mentioned the you know the top of the conversation around how you've moved into coaching. Um, and I'll come back to it in a second, but a really key thing I want to talk about just there, what you've mentioned there, is you started off in martial arts, you obviously transitioned over to football. Um, on reflection now, how how much of an impact or if at all any, do you think that martial arts had on your ability to play football or, your, or any transferable things that, in, in regards to that? Uh,
1: I'm not sure if it had any sort of impact because I know we always talk about the fact that giving kids um, that multi, the multi-sports to help them in, you know, in their football. Um or whatever they decide to choose. But I think I mean I suppose the martial arts to a certain extent was to, you know, tame, you know, my energy and, and stuff like that. And I suppose I took that energy and aggression and tenacity into into my football. Um, if I if I look at traits that I had in football, I suppose it was that, you know, energy, like I said, tenacity, aggression. Um, I had those key key traits I think that help you become a footballer for sure. Um, did it come from did it come from being a being in martial arts? I don't know. There might have been elements of that that's helped me, but
0: I just think you've got that sort of stuff
1: in you, or, or you haven't.
0: Obviously, you mentioned that You know, you're not, you're not too sure whether there was any kind of transferable things or what impact it may or may or not have had. But I've got a feeling the way way in which you addressed the question to start with, you're not you're not you're not fully sold on the idea of multi-sports. Would that be fair?
1: No, I'm not. Not that I'm not sold on it. I just think. Um... Listen, if you're fortunate enough to go and play in different sports and stuff like that and have a go at it, great. I I don't think it needs to be put in place to help you become a football player Um, if you're doing it. And it's, you know, I always say that people become what they're going to become because of what they've been exposed to. Um, Like whatever that is, whether that's sport, whether that's, you know, a banker or whatever, whatever it is. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and it was I can't remember exactly what what it was but it was definitely you know there is an element of I I do firmly believe that whatever you get exposed to in your life helps you to become what you're going to become whether that's um, something that bad has happened in your life which pushes you on to become or you know or whatever Um, I I do believe that but in sport multi sport does it help I'm not sure I'm, I'm not sold on the idea no.
0: Would you say it's much more about the environment that's been created than the sport itself then? Um,
1: yeah, I would say obviously things have definitely improved in respect of what we're doing for players now to help them get to becoming a football player. Obviously things have become a lot more difficult now because the, the, the sport is just so big and there's so much money involved in it. Uh, and it's a, a worldwide thing where we're bringing players from abroad and, and all those things So it's become harder for players to to break through. Um but yeah, definitely um, what you're exposed to um, uh, it will help you. And But put that aside, the other the other thing with that is is that I believe that giving them too much doesn't help them as well. It hinders them. So we've got to get that balance between letting them know. And that's what comes from within as well. Do you know what it takes to become a professional footballer? Yes, all the stuff that we provide for you and all the things that we're asking you to do, great. But have you got that application? Have you got that mental attitude? Have you got that focus to be a player day in, day out? Because we get 16s come in as new scholars and they really find out what it's like to be a professional footballer. And I think you should give those players that opportunity to do that because full-time football is a totally different beast.
0: No, definitely. And I'll, I'll take you back to the start of what you said. There, is that it's almost like that there's, there's so much available for them now. There's so much work that's going into preparing these young players. Into becoming footballers, you think we're in danger of maybe that there being too much right now?
1: Um, I think the game is flooded with players. I think we've got academies on academies on academies. If it's not if it's not professional academy, it's another academy. If it's not an academy, it's one on it's one v one football. If it's not one v one or one on one training sessions, it's something else. If it's not if it's not training sessions, it's like doing uh, S and C work outside of football. If it's not that, it's 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 just ridiculous now. Um, I mean we we've gone we, when we were playing, I, I don't like to talk about when we were playing and what we we used to, I used to play Saturday, I used to play Sunday, I used to play Sunday afternoon, um, for different clubs because they wanted they wanted you. Was it right? Was it too much? Probably. But now we're the other way. Now we give them everything else and we say they can't play any football. You know, it's like, well, oh no, you've done your you've done your um you've done your high speed running this week, you've done your um your 30k this week, you can't do anymore. So, do players really know what it's like to to push themselves? Um, it's something I sort of argue about all the time—not argue, but sort of like—I think that's what we're lacking in the game again. I would, I would, I've been suggesting that we take away GPS for a week, two weeks in the month. Take it away totally. Let's see how we deal with. Let's see how we deal with just having having a go. So you don't know what you're doing. So you don't know what numbers you're you're doing. You don't know what high speed. It doesn't doesn't matter. Let's just see how you feel. You know. So. Yeah, I think it's gone too far the other way probably, if I'm being honest.
0: Ah, uh, definitely. So then, let's come back to your journey. Obviously, you started as a young player, that you mentioned there, obviously starting in martial arts, transition over to football. Where did Arsenal come about? How did that how did that happen?
1: So obviously when I was playing football, I um playing for the school, playing for the district, playing for the county. Um, I went into Orient actually and um I went there for ten weeks when I was about nine. And they said, Oh, you're as good as what we got, but you're not better. And sort of, they let me go, um and then oh, obviously that was a downer. I felt really bad about that as a, as a kid, and then went back into grassroots, played again, done, was doing well, and then went into Watford, and that was brief. And that was like a couple of weeks trial in, three, four weeks trial in, five weeks, sixes, whatever it was, and they had all big, strong, powerful players. So I didn't fit into their mould. I went back to grassroots again, and then I was playing for a club called Chase Side, where I was with for a few years, and. Um, well, Edmonton Rangers, then Chase Side, and then um there was a uh, my scout who was called Bill Bill Hollendale. And he had scouted a few, me, Paolo Vanata, um, Greg Lincoln, Andrew Douglas at the time, and um, Dave Livermore. And we yeah, I went in from there, had some trials, played against some teams, and uh and then I never looked back really. I went in at the age of I think ten or eleven. I was there till I was twenty. So yeah.
0: And obviously, you were there at a time where there was massive changes. Obviously, you know Wenger had not coming uh, too long before that. I think three, four years, probably. You know, by the time you, you you'd left Arsenal, what what were the major changes you saw there during that period? There? And what you know, what was it like to be around the environment in in that time where there was so much change and all these big names coming in as well?
1: Yeah, a lot of people ask me this question, and I think the changes were so like progressive. It's it's sort of like just happened quite naturally. Um, but obviously, the obvious change was, you know, players weren't drinking. I mean, we were still quite young when he first came in. I was only like seventeen, I think, um, when he first came into the club. Um, players weren't drinking now, you know, after games like the Tony Adamses and the Ian Riots and the, you know, Paul Mersons. They they probably were still, but you know, not as much. You know, we were getting vitamins and tablets. I remember being in squads and there'd be ta- tablets on the table, vitamin tablets like they were like the size of size of a flipping. Horse pill, they looked like the big mat. Now they're a lot smaller. Now we were trying to swallow those things, it was like swallowing a blipping candlestick. But, um, so yeah, there was things like that, you know, looking after your body. Um, and then with the in regards to the training, you know, he was quite a different sort of character. It was, um, you know, he, he let Pat Rice do all the coaching and he would sort of step in and talk to individuals about small, small detail, you know, and, and, um, yeah, you know, he changed, He has changed the face of football. Arsene Wenger, no shadow of a doubt, um, from his time of coming in at Arsenal and England, through to now, and probably what he's doing at FIFA now. And he's just very innovative. I think he's just a very innovative person. You know.
0: During that time, then, you know, did you have any interactions with him that have kind of stayed with you now, up until this point?
1: Um, like I said, I think things like that, uh, in respect of the coaching habits, you know, sometimes. Sometimes, um, I think I'm getting better at it now. I'm getting a little bit older where I can sort of just pull people aside and give them those little real nuggets of information um, rather than give them it all. Uh, I think things like that. Um, he was always had a good demeanour. You know, he was relaxed most of the time unless he was playing up against Mourinho or someone like that when he sort of changed. Um, but no, yeah. You know, I've, I, learned, I like to think I learned a lot of all the coaches that I've worked with.
0: Just, just building on that, then you know, obviously there in the initial periods. I think they might be on the first season going pro. Is it?
1: I can't hear you, Latif. Sorry.
0: I was just saying, just, just obviously during that time that you were there, can you hear me now? Yeah, go on. Yeah. During the time that you're there, obviously, I think they were they were coming towards uh, one of their first league league wins under Wenger at the time. What was that? What was that period like? Obviously, so, you know that that transition, and obviously, you know, where did that time? Where, where, what brought that time at Arsenal to an end for you? You know, that, that period was a really good period. You know, like back then he was
1: bringing in players like... He brought in a lot of players, you know, Nicola Anelka, Alberto Mendez, Chris Ray, um Remy Gard, Gilles Grimondi, and the, the list goes on, Vieira. Um, and um, he still was fortunate that he had players like Ian Wright, at Tony Adams, Steve Bould, Lee Dixon, Nigel Winterburn who were probably like the best best back four in the country in Europe you could say even at that stage. Um so it was he was fortunate that he was able to have a solid structure alongside players that he could filter in that weren't quite ready like Anelka like um v- Vieira who wasn't really ready he was only 20 I think when he brought him in 21. Um so yeah, he he got it right, and he he was clever about how he did it. He didn't do changes really quickly, but did enough, like to make sure that he had the old players there that were that had lots of experience, like Paul Merson as well, and players like that, and and then adding those Freddie Youngbergs and those Petites and those Jules Gomundis and all those players to the Mitxel Vinos. I, I can go on like the players that he brought in. Now I'm thinking about it, it was just like players he brought in were brilliant, um, and then so we done the double. First team done the double that year, and our our youth team we done we won so we beat Ajax in in Europe. We won the European tournament we went to. We won the Premier Youth League uh, that year. We won the and we we lost to Leeds in the semi final of the FA Youth Cup, which really we should have gone on to win, but we 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 let ourselves down there. So we had a really good season as well, and you know players that have come out of our youth team was like you know Paolo Bernardo, Dave Livermore, Tommy Black. Julian Gray, myself, Ashley Cole, um, Stuart Taylor, uh, we had we had an abundance of players, Greg Lincoln, Andrew Doug come out of that come out of that group, um, who all went on to have really good careers. For me, it got to the point where I was in and around the first team, you know, and obviously we had great players there. It was hard to break into that team. So I'd done well to get around it. But I felt that there was other sort of um issues around other players that were I was being a little bit unfairly treated. I felt when I should have been given more opportunity. Um, there were some players in the building that were given the opportunity in front of me that had come in from 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 staff at the club that had um, a, a strong hold on what was going on. So it was time for me to to move on. I, you know, I got offered the new contract. I rejected it, and uh, I moved to West Ham, and it was with a heavy heart because I'd been there for ten years, but. Um, you know that's 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 that's
0: how it goes sometimes. But obviously, you know you, you you're right. It is how it goes sometimes. It must have been a real challenge for you, obviously, moving from an environment. Like you said you've been there for the best part of a decade, moving to a new environment. What, what what was what was that like? You know what was going through your mind at the time, having having to leave at that time. Obviously, given the circumstances that you're under, but just having to actually now try and fit into a new organisation, new club, new staff, probably a completely different way of playing at the time, and still being a young player, not really real guarantees of what that's gonna, you know, mm. bring for you. Yeah, it's quite an interesting point actually, because
1: I could have gone see in my head, I was like I was in and around the, the first team squad at Arsenal and I wanted to stay around the Premier League at like 19. And um I could have gone to either Portsmouth, I could have gone Gillingham. Portsmouth wanted to buy me for big money um from Arsenal. Um and I didn't go. And um I went to West Ham and I was doing really well, you know, I decided to go, I signed a three-year deal there, um, and our squad was amazing, you know, the squad we had, you know, at the time, again, I can, you know, Joe Cole, Rio Ferdinand, Frank Lampard, um Di Canio, Michael Carrick, the, the strongest West Ham squad that probably there's been for a long time, all England internationals, so I was in good company, you know, I was training with those players, being, I was in the squads most weeks, um, and it was it was difficult, you know. But I I wanted to push myself. I wanted to I wanted to stay where I was. And um, but it got to a point where I was getting frustrated, you know. I think Redknapp left. Glen Rhoda came in, who's passed away now, sadly. Um, and uh, and I was flying at the time, and I, I went to St Mirren, and I, everything was sorted there to go and sign at St Mirren. And um, Glenn Rhoda didn't let me go and said, "Look, you've been doing really well. I want you around the squad." So I stayed again. Um, and I waited till the end of the season and um, and then I moved and I ended up moving to Cambridge who I'd went to on loan. So I'd played in League One at Cambridge on, on loan and then that following year I went and played for them and I had a season with them and um, I think I scored about twenty, nineteen, eighteen 19, 18 goals, 18, 19 I think it was that season. And um, and I wasn't happy with the football, you know, League One, League Two is not great. It wasn't great. And um, an opportunity come up to go abroad and I, and I went
0: so let's just talk about that a little uh, for a second. There's a lot that you've kind of gone into there. Obviously, going into the club, what was it? Obviously, you mentioned there about wanting to be around the Premier League. What was it in particular about West Ham that was? Was it you just to draw of the Premier League that, that kept you that, that kept you wanting to be there, or was it a case of actually they had a better package for you? Or, or you know what? what, what yeah, what you...
1: a bit, of, a bit of everything. You know, I think it was. I think it was. I played a game. I think we played at Highbury. And Frank Lampard, senior, was there. We played West Ham. We beat them 4-2 and I played really well. I just scored a couple of goals and he really liked me. So, you know, when when someone likes you, an assistant manager at the club, you know, and you go in there and, and they had good young players at the time as well. Um, it was in London still. So West Ham was a, down the road from where I, I was in Edmonton at the time. So it, it wasn't a hard journey to get to Chadwell Heath. That was, just, that was, a, that was attractive. Um, it was West Ham. It was a Premier League club former players had gone there, like Wrighty had gone there, John Arson had gone there, um, from Arsenal. And uh, I think Davor Shuka I think the problem I had I went there and then Davor Shuka came there. He was like following me all over the place, like a bad smell. <laughs> and um uh so um that 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 caused me a problem, you know, and um but yeah it was it was yeah, listen it was a good squad and I I was playing against players like, you know, uh before I left before mm. I went, there, you know Joe Cole, Frank Lampard, Rio Ferdinand to go there and be training and and um, be in that company and know it was going to push me to progress. It was you know it was it was a no brainer really for me. I finished top goal scorer every year in the reserves. Um, I just needed that opportunity. I don't know why it didn't come. I should have had more opportunity than I did at both clubs. Yeah. Um, but you know that that's it.
0: And there's a lot of things that you've touched on and I want to kind of unpack. So just let's, let's stay on this topic for a second. And, you know, you've gone to West Ham. Um, obviously, your coach now, we'll get onto that part later. But I, I want to think now, in retrospect, what what were the types of things that you were looking at as a young player at that time? And maybe what would be the advice to young players in the conversation you have with young players now who are in a similar position? Like, What are you asking them to consider when, when, when making a move like this?
1: I mean, things have changed a lot. You know, we we as young players, we got taught how to play the game, but only because of the qualities that we had. You know, I was super quick. I like to get beyond defences. Um, and that's what I was used for. You know, now we teach the players a whole range of things. Whether they're good at it or not, we teach them it. Um
0: we're in danger now because this is, this is often a debate that I'm having with a lot of coaches around the idea of we're losing specialists and now there, there seems to be this kind of let's create a whole bunch of jack-of-all-trades.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a valid point. I mean, I still think that we... Listen, if someone's a good player and he's good at certain things, you will focus on those points. So, we've got players who are... Players are number nine. He's got the right profile to players number nine. He does certain things. Calm on the ball, brings, brings people into play. Is a fox in the box can finish. So you give them those, but I still think that we, you know, tactically, I'm not about individual. Like individual's different because we do ILP stuff and we do focus stuff for players for what they're good at. But tactically, we are teaching players a whole new ball game now. And, you know, I know a lot of people always say, you know, the game hasn't changed. The game, uh, you know, everyone's trying to reinvent the wheel with the game. I think it has evolved, it's evolved definitely tactically, the game's evolved massively, and I think coaches who don't see that and don't understand that then you know they um they need to go they need to go back and re-educate themselves um because it has changed um from when I was playing to when it, to what it is now. so coming back to your question um yeah i, I think um what what would I say about yeah I, I think players now in the championship which we're in. Premier League Premier League's a little bit a little bit different you know when you've got Premier League players that are in the top 6 clubs they can go to league 2 league 1 championship because they they'll take them our clubs they don't really take the players um in league 1 league 2 uh, as much so my advice is you know you've got to go get experience whether it's whether it's uh, conference whether it's conference south whether it's ryman prem experience is experience um and if it's about regarding a move, I would say, don't, if you come out of an academy now at 21, I wouldn't, or at let's say 18, I wouldn't be advising, unless someone wants you and you've moved because you're doing really well, that's a different story. I wouldn't advise any kid to go back into an academy. I'd be saying, go and get yourself into a team, non league, go and get yourself playing, go and rack up 50 appearances, 100 appearances, because we can't even get our players out to those clubs. So go and get yourself in there. Go and play and and develop from now. That that'd be my advice.
0: Just on that, then, what you know, you, what, what what is the challenging time to get your players out to those clubs? Because obviously, you know, a lot's changed in the last ten, fifteen years, especially with the E coming in. You know, the, the the I guess the the passing away of the the whole reserve team set up and things like that, and they've got now extended it to PvP PDP up into under twenty threes now. I obviously, think. Some of those experiences that you're talking about those young players going to get, you probably would have got some of that, at mm. least part of that in the reserve team kind of setup. Mm. I Do
1: think you... we missed that. I think we missed that now. I I'll say that I say on a regular basis as well, is that I think we we missed that uh like the combination league or the reserves, whatever it was back then, that element of playing with first team players, playing against first team players. I can remember clearly playing against West Ham, actually, and I was playing against Julian Dix, I was playing against Steve Potts, I was playing against uh, John Monker, who were playing in at the back and in midfield, and I was playing against them, you know, and I had some senior players playing with me, and it was, that's proper learning, you know, you're learning from senior players, rather than you're trying to learn from your peers who are your age, around you, it ain't the same, um, so I think we, we do lack that now, and I think there is a certain element of, yeah, with the Cat 1 teams, they're playing the Papa Johns and stuff like that, so they're trying to recreate that, but it's only in competition, it ain't every game, you know, so that's, at least they're trying, um but I, I would say um the reason for it is is that I think the level has gone up, level of football has gone up. Um and I think that players aren't as good as what they used to be. That's my honest opinion. I think we've got so many players now that are in the system and you need to bring players, you need to have players in this system, twenty ones, eighteens, whatever it might be, and they're not good enough. So that's why they can't play at those levels.
0: Why do you think that is? Because I, I think I think you're spot on. I think the game is definitely the standard of the game across the board, whether here or abroad or wherever, just as a general thing, has definitely raced. Um, you know, the comeback full circle to the top of the conversation around the sports science and all of that sort of stuff that's come into it It's definitely, I think, pushed the game to a point where you're getting much more well-rounded athletes, possibly. Maybe not specifically well-rounded footballers, but definitely athletes um, as, as performers, if you like, why do you think the standard of the playing has dropped, though, or it maybe hasn't hasn't caught up with it as much as it should have? Maybe
1: I think it's um, I think it's dropped one because they're not competing with players to make them better. I think they're complete. They're competing with their own age for too long. Um, two, I think we've got so many players. Like when again before it was, you get to eighteen. If you can't get in the reserves, then you basically got to go. And you'll end up going and playing a lower league. Now you can stay in the system till you're, you know, twenty two, twenty three, um, get rich as well by then, and and not even have an appearance. So, again, there's loads of things that need need to be better. Um, but we we can list the amount of the reasons why. It's about changing them really. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's so many players in the system now that that ain't good enough. Uh, but we've got them because we. You know, you've got to fulfil a certain criteria, um, and 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 they think they are good enough, and they're not. You know, I have this conversation with players all the time, and sometimes you've got to give them a wake up call.
0: You know, I think that's really interesting. It's obviously, you know, what we definitely have seen over the last few years, and I think there's, there's a lot more competition up to play for clubs to be getting players. Hence why we've seen, you know, the academies get get longer in terms of journey that that could that could look like, but also. The extended provision in terms of development centers and advanced centers and all of this stuff where it, it all becomes like a recruitment tool if you like mm. at what point do you then turn around and say actually let's do what brentford did let's streamline what we're doing go and go and own in on a on a group of players in particular don't worry about the whole spectrum and then say right actually let's just work on these individuals here because you're talking there about the quality of football is not not being as great. Um, you also mentioned previously when you was at Arsenal that the standard of the group that you was in was quite high, um, and rightly so. What you know, you, you made another very very good point as well. That you know, at eighteen, if you're not good enough to go into the first team, the reserve team at that point, it's, 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 you're you out the door. So, like, is are we giving them too many chances now? Do you think it is?
1: I've always said that we need to give players more time. But it's what time you're giving them, I think that's important. You know, I think we're giving players time, but we are not doing enough, or they're not doing enough to be able to push themselves to the next level. Um and I, I don't believe going to a B team is, is I think having a B team is a good thing, but alongside doing everything else that you're doing. So you have got that competitive playing against men um environment. I think I think that is what, what we lack. Um I don't think not having an academy. I think every club should have an academy. I think they should provide that service. I think kids should come and love and enjoy the game um, in academy football. Um, but it's just about getting that balance right and, and getting getting it right for the players. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit, you know, on one hand, I'm like, we need to give players time. And on the other hand, I'm like, it's important what time we give them. Because if you just give them time for time's sake, then you just, you end up with what we've got. Um but then you can't question the fact of what we're creating, you know, what, what academies are doing now and what players are are coming through. I mean, you can see that in the England squad, you know, they, they are they're superb players, superb technical individuals. And um so we, we're getting it right. We are getting it right, but I think we're a lot of failing along the way as well. And and that's the um I think that's the that that's the issue with it for me.
0: What about from a coaching perspective? Do you think the coaching General standard of coaching has dropped? Do you think that there's not enough quality across the board? Um, I'm not sure. I mean,
1: uh, has it dropped? I haven't seen enough to be able to say, I mean, the environment I'm in is like, a, it's, I'd like to think it's an elite environment. I've worked in England for the last four
0: years. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
1: been working with Watford in the 2023s for the last four or five years um I'd like to think it's at a very high level um England definitely is you know and I'd like to say that at Watford we are as well um has it dropped I'm not sure Latif if I'm honest with you I, I couldn't answer that question I'd like to think it hasn't with all the with all the educational tools that are in place now with the FA and you know um all the courses that are that are on um I mean, I've definitely learned from every course I've been on, whether it's been from ua for b all the way through to the Pro License, I've learned every single step of the way. Anyone who says they hasn't is just ignorant and, um, or, or just thinks they're a waste of time.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I guess the question more comes from the perspective of, you, you know, you're talking about the coach education pathway. I think definitely the courses have definitely developed over the last you know, few years, but I think the challenge that people have always put out regarding them is, are they letting people get put, 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 signed off too easily, maybe?
1: That's a different story. Um I mean I mean you could say over the COVID period there wasn't a lot of coaching going on, um and there wasn't a lot of face to face stuff going on. So what was people's real learning there? Um yeah, that that could be a a valid point. Um are they signing people off too too easy? I, I don't know. I mean that's you you gotta ask the tutors, you gotta ask the FA that you gotta ask people that have passed their, you know, their license is uh, how they felt about. Did they take anything from it or not? I-, I think the only way you really take anything from coaching is if you're on the grass every day, uh, practicing. If I'm being honest.
0: 100. I don't think, I don't think any can, anything can replace the time on grass. So no. Let's let's come back to your journey as a player. You know, obviously know, you Glen Road has told you that you're doing really well. You want you want you to stick around. Um, what happens then? You know, what 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 does that conversation look like? And in, in, in terms of, does that come with any promises around what you're expected to? you know, be involved in going forward? Because obviously, you know, we've recently had this massive controversy around Cristiano Ronaldo as an example, where it seems as if the plan was one thing at the start and then the plan has then changed, but maybe there was a lack of communication around what that looks like. What was that like for you? You know, if I look back over the course of my
1: my career, my my father has represented me for most of my life alongside people who have maybe helped with deals. I think that was a big issue issue you know I remember Glenn wanted me to stay at the club and he was like you know I want to give you an extra another two years but um it would have to be of an it would have to be of an agency that you know that I recommend um well that didn't happen because I weren't going to you know walk away from my father at the time because my father's always done everything for me so I may have had issues like that um in the past political if you like if you want to call it that um so that was that was the score with with that. I stayed around, I stayed till the end of the season. And um I didn't do that. I didn't sign a new deal. I didn't go with another agent. Um, and I moved on. And and that was that was where we we're at
0: with that really. Any regrets around that? Obviously, you know, you get your you got your tires, obviously it's your dad, but do you, you you reflect back on that and think, you know, maybe in some cases it's maybe not best to have family members doing that sort of work for you? Yeah, I think
1: I think um, looking looking back in hindsight, you, you know, being a lot more. You think I was a young kid. I was like then I was I think twenty years old, twenty or twenty one. Um, you don't understand, don't understand those things too much. Um, and if it was now, you know, I, I would be. You know, well, tell me who do I need to talk to in order to get this deal done. You know, let tell me. Let's let's have a let's have an open conversation about it. Rather than it be, you know, well, what's the problem with my dad? Why don't you like my dad? When maybe it's not about that and it's about, well, you know, if you're with him, maybe he will be with me and so on and so forth. And, you know, that's how your circle gets bigger. So, yeah, learning things along the way. I learnt a lot along the way. Um, is it right? No. Is it the game? Possibly. Uh, I try to veer away from those sorts of things. I always try to give my players clear and clear inf- clear and precise uh, information you know I always every player I've worked with from the last 10-12 years will call me and talk to me and ask me and trust in me uh, barring one or two maybe who I've upset along the way because I've been honest with them and they haven't liked it Um, which is fine I've always said that to them I said I might say something to you one day that you don't like uh, and you might get offended but everything I always say to you is for you is for your best interests at heart um, if you don't like the truth then don't ask me because that's what you're going to get from me and I've had good relationships with every player I've worked with as a player and who I worked with um, as a coach and, and that's how I am and that's how I want to be
0: and I, and I think it's something that kind of just really jumps out at me as you say, that it's, it's much more about the trust and honesty piece rather than anything else you know I, don't, I, you know, I, I say it to people all the time especially when, when I'm working with coaches as a coach developer I'm not here to be your friend I'm here to help you become a better better coach so like you said, there's gonna be there's gonna be things I say that you won't like and chances are you probably won't like them because no one else has ever told you them before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's fine. But as long as we understand that my job here is to help you become a better coach, and that's the thing that I get judged on. So yeah. you know, if you win, I win. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, yeah. So now I think I think that's, I think I spot on. So you know, just you know, you you've obviously moved over to Cambridge. Um and then you obviously moved abroad, gone back, gone to gone to Turkey for a few years. What was that like? So, I played in Turkey for six years, you know. I played three years at,
1: at Denizlispor, Sport, who was Super League, and we finished, we finished fourth twice, uh, which was great for the club. Um, and then I moved to Trabzon, which was like a big club in the country, a top-four club, and um, uh, it's a great country, you know, great players, very good players out there, Turkish players, technically very good. And then when I was out there, obviously, Nick Anelka came out there, so I was playing against Nick out there. When he was at Fenerbahce, I was playing against Songhi, who was at um, Galatasaray, who then came to Trabzon. Um, Roberto Carlos come out there. like So many big, big players come out there. Lugano was playing against like, week in, week out. Um, top, top world-class players coming out there to play. So, um, for me, it was good. You know, Managed to get around the national team. Um, had a good career. And then I come back. I come back in uh, 2000 and... What was it? 2009, I think it was. Um and then yeah, continued with my career.
0: So you went come back in 2009, Shrewsbury Town, right? Yeah. So you're now veering towards let's say maybe the back end of your career. When does coaching start to become a thing for you? I know that you mentioned that you started getting involved in coaching at Histon. Was it ever a consideration before that? You know what's funny is that you say it was coming towards the
1: end. When I come back to when I came back to Shrewsbury, I was 30 years old. I was still still, still in good nick, but I'd had a ban. I would banned for a year um, because of some problems I had in Turkey with the club. They banned me. I had a global ban. I couldn't play. I didn't play for a year, which I lost some form because of that. I was having to try and tick over myself. Um, went to Shrewsbury and tried to find myself again. And it was I struggled, you know, um, not through lack of trying, through lack of being given the opportunity to play. You know when you've been when you've been banned like that, you need to play to get your to find your feet again. And um, I was in and out, and I just got frustrated at the end. I thought, you know, I've been playing in Europe, I've been playing the Europe in the European Cup for the last two three years. I've been playing at Trabzon Sport, um, big club, playing against big players, and now I'm back in League League Two playing for Shrewsbury, and I can't even get in the team. So there was an element of, you know, what am I doing? You know, what, 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 where is this all leading to? Frustration, anger anger at what had happened out there and that, that's that's been a, a long ongoing case for like ten years with the European Court of Human Rights which is which I won. Um so that's that's caused a big problem. But since then come back, yeah, and then like you say, um was there any fault? now? what it, when I was at Shrewsbury, the UA for B came up. Who wants to do UA for B, you know, old pros, senior pros or whatever. And I thought, well, you know what, me, Graham Coughlin, who Coco, who's now at Newport, um, he did it, I did it. Um, Michael Jackson who's at um... oh, where's Michael Jackson he was manager of a team oh, Burnley managed managed Burnley last year for a little bit I think he's in around their first team now so me, Michael Jackson Coco all done our UA for B and um, I've just completed my pro licence with with Graham Coughlin actually now not long ago uh, last year um, so we've been on the same sort of path same sort of journey so no, no real thoughts of coaching I just thought yeah I'll do it just make sure I've got it under my belt um, and then I got the call from Dave Livermore to say look what you're doing because he knew I could play still and I was frustrated and I went and played in the conference and I was I was it was too easy for me really um, but I was playing and coaching so it was like well at least I'm transitioning while playing so I was sort of taking the strikers and the attackers and and uh, yeah playing coaching and uh, yeah develop from there really
0: what, what, what was that like? Obviously, you know, you're talking there about um, working with the attackers, working with the forwards. Something that's definitely become a lot more prominent in in today's game is, you know, specialist coaching, mm. position-specific coaching. Um, it seems like you got there in a bit a bit ahead of the curve before you know, before you even knew it.
1: I mean, it ain't even ahead of the curve. It's, let's be honest, right? You when you've got back in the day, before there was in possession, out of possession, you know, where before there was. Um, you know, individual specialist forward coaches or whatever you want to call them. Um, normally you'd have a, a a guy who played in the back and was a manager, and he would do all the defensive stuff. And he'd have a, a a mate who was a coach who was an attacker, and he'd do the attacking stuff. And like I was an attacker, I was a striker. So for me, what was natural was to coach the attacking, the attacking players. You know, movements, how to get beyond, how to be clever, how to you know, how to find space, how to. So. I think it's all been been done. It's nothing new. It's just a different name. Um, but yeah, so I was doing that, and um, it was natural to me. It was easy to me. I enjoyed teaching the younger players. I enjoyed seeing them perform. And I think I suppose I just started getting that bug, and it was just that next. And to be honest with you, if it weren't for my dad saying like, look, this is you've been doing this for years. You've been playing all your life. You know, you've been you know you've been a player. Now you you're, you've got your stuff your badges why are you not just keep coaching because I was going to come out of it totally I was like no, I'm, I'm done with this I'm done with the people in the game I'm done with like liars I'm done with cheaters I'm done with I'm done with people who care about themselves I'm done with like there's a lot of that in the game and there still is it's never going to go away it's just how you how you deal with it and how you manage it Um and I was close, you know, I started looking at other things. You know, I like a little bit of graphic design. Should I do, can I go into that? Can I go, should I go into? Should I go uni and start doing something else? And I had all these things in my mind um, at the time. Should I guess go and help my dad do, he's got rental properties. Should I go and just go and get into that and help him do his rental stuff, which I was doing anyway, like helping him out and stuff like that. So it weren't like it was the only thing I could do. I, I had options and I, I was quite happy to start looking at other things um but if it weren't for my dad pushing me and saying you know this is what you know you're good at it do it um keep going i would have come out of it a long time ago i think but you know and that's that's why you know when you talk about agents and you talk about stuff like that well what agent would do that you know what what, who's no one's gonna do that your dad your dad's your dad at the end of the day he knows you better than anyone you know, your family's your family. All right, you might not know the business, which you did know the business, but some people, some parents might not know the business. It's a different story. But if you've got someone who's like my dad, then, you know, um, it's a different story. But, um, yeah, so I carried on, and um Bob's your uncle.
0: Eventually, obviously, when you finally retired, you've obviously, you know, you've gone into management, gone into coaching. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, what was your first, you know, proper role? as a coach, just, a full, you know, full-on?
1: So, after I left Histon, um, I got the opportunity to go and play. I was going to, I've been and played at Chessent, like, around the corner. I was like, I'll play, it was like Ryman, Ryman Prem or something like that. And, um, I was playing and then the manager got the sack and they said, do you want to do it? So, I started playing play manager and I thought, I, I was still like, it was way too good to be playing there. I scored like twenty odd goals I think and set up twenty odd or whatever it was. And so I was player managing there at Chesant. And um I ruptured my cruise ship playing for Arsenal in a charity game. And so I couldn't play. I was out for a year. And so I was half so that's when I took I was doing the job at Chesant as a full time manager. So that was the real stint really. And then I was just yeah, from, from Chesant. So from 2013, I think it was. Two thousand and thirteen or two thousand fourteen. I've been really coaching and coaching since that point.
0: And how would you describe yourself as a coach? Because obviously, like I said, we talked about it earlier. How things have changed so much in terms of the game and whatnot. But and you know, the traditional old school type of coach from from England in particular, very much probably aggressive in their nature, very you know, commanding. How would you describe your style?
1: Um. I'd like to think that I'm fair, you know. I like to think that I'm fair and honest, definitely. I, I like to have that relationship with the players where it's not all about what I want, it's about what they can do and what they feel, is, feel comfortable with. Um, but at the same time, I've got a side to me that if something's not right and not good, um, they're going to know about it. So I'd like to have a little bit of, you know, yeah, I am commanding. I do command, I do demand quality and um, intensity uh but at the same time i like to think i'm a good man manager as well you know i i take the time to learn about my my players their 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 characters and attitudes um and i think I'm, i think i'm tactically very um i think i'm tactically very good
0: just to build on that then obviously you know, what, where do you think all of that's come from because you know do you there's a lot of Younger coaches coming through nowadays. A lot of people maybe haven't had a you know playing background, um, and, it, and you're seeing more and more of them coming through. Do you feel that like there's always going to be that that challenge that that, that they're never going to be able to overcome? What player p- coaches that haven't played? Yeah,
1: you know what I always say. For I've I've always said the same thing like for the last ten years, and that is for a player who goes who steps into coaching if you think you're going to be a good coach because you've been a player then you got it so wrong you need to learn how to coach um and then and then there is a lot of players like that they think they've got a divine right to be a manager or they think they've got a divine right to be a coach because they've played and don't get me wrong the experience of playing is second to none they can't be replaced and they do have that quality and that, and that understanding because of that fact. You can never take that away from any player that goes into coaching. He's played the game, he's been, he's been involved in, a, especially an elite player who's played professional level and, and higher. Um, they've played and experienced so many things. They, they know every picture and every scenario that they're seeing on the pitch. Um, it's whether they see it quick enough and whether they can act upon it is whether you're a good coach or not. Um, so that's what I say to, to coaches who have played the game. For coaches who haven't played the game, game I always say that what they have to be good at is trying to be able to to feel what that player is feeling in that game at that time. So whatever position it is on the pitch, coaches who have played are talking from experience most of the time because they've sensed it and seen it and felt it. Whereas coaches that haven't played it or have played it at maybe not a level that... Um, uh where they would have experienced it that much they they're only talking off of what they've learned so because they can't feel it i don't know how, how else i can understand it uh like explain it but it's no,
0: it's, just, it's just, more textbook it's
1: theory, than it? what you say again
0: it becomes more theory rather than practical yeah
1: yeah and i think they have to be able to to get better at that players have Ex players have to be get better at the other thing I spoke about, and non players have to be better at the thing I just spoke about. There, trying to feel it, trying to sense it, what it feels, and that's difficult. It's not easy, you know.
0: So, so just, just on that, then you know what, you know, having been an ex player yourself, what do you think the first, you know, obviously you talked there a little bit about what the coach maybe should have to do or, or maybe would need to do to really kind of have an impact and, and add some value there, but. What's the general perception, do you think, from people that have played the game towards those coaches that haven't played the game? I and mean, maybe, you know, and especially in some cases, you know, where you've got coaches that might be, maybe not only played the game, but sometimes even younger than the players.
1: Do you know what? I think, you know, if I, t- if I look at my, from my own, I don't like to talk about others. If I look about it from my own um, point of view, um, if I see uh, a coach who hasn't played the game, but shows good knowledge, Good understanding, an understanding of the fact that he can, he knows that an ex-player is with him, and that he's, he understands the game really well, and they can respect that. Then I think oh, I've got no issues with that. It's sometimes when you get coaches that haven't coached, haven't played the game, they come, and they try to come with things that are, like so far fetched and so far away from the game, that that the players that have played the game turn around and say. Mate, what are you talking? you never played the game. You, you can never understand that. Like, that, that. That's why those sorts of conversations come up. That's why those sorts of things happen. So for me, I've I've I know many coaches. I know many coaches who haven't played football who are very good. So I don't I don't like distinguish between playing and non-playing. All I say is they need there's those little nuances that a non-playing a coach has and a playing coach has. That's the differences. But they're the only things for me that a non-coach. Why he gets, it might get someone's back up sometimes when they come in and they start doing things and saying things and acting a certain way around. Sometimes uh, uh, you get someone who's not been in the game long, and you've got someone who's played seven, eight hundred games, and they're trying to tell them something, and you're like, "I'm not sure about that." Like, no, pick your battles, pick your battles with who you're going to pick them with, and at the right times as well. And that's that's what I would say on that.
0: Uh, Definitely. So, let's, let's look at your role now, obviously, you know, you you gone from the under-23s at Watford, what does that look like on a day-to-day, you know, how much has that changed from what you were maybe exposed to when you was a young player coming through? What does that, you know, what what, what does that look like? You know, there's a lot of coaches listening to this that have you got some experience working in the academy game The Celsius might have some insights, but there's also going to be a lot of that maybe have no experience working in the academy um, game. And therefore thinking, right, well, what does it look like to become an under-23 coach at, at a championship club?
1: So I'll tell you what my last my last four years was. I was, so I've been Watford 23's lead coach and I've been England under-17's um, assistant coach. So I was coming in every day at Watford doing my normal job, Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday, wherever the games, whatever the schedule needed, depending on where our games were, which flitters and flatters from, week-to-week week because we either play on a Monday or we play on a Friday, which changes our schedule totally. Obviously, you've got match day minus one, minus two, and um, or plus one, plus two, depending on where your game sits, depends on what numbers you can do day-to-day. So if we've got a game, let's say I've got a game on Friday, tomorrow we're going to be doing, we're going to be training an hour and we're going to be maybe 3K, so 3,000 metres, zero high or 100 high-speed running max um, and light stuff. Now, yesterday was yesterday was a big day. Yesterday was, um, we, we covered 8, 9K. I think yesterday, probably overdone it a little bit. Players covered 8, 9K um, and covered about six 800 high-speed running. Um, so, they had a big day. Uh, and the day before, that was a little bit less. So, yeah, so we're guided by what our numbers are off our S&C um, coaches. We talk about it and we say, can we hit them a little bit here? Or can we go a little bit more there? Or so and so forth and um so that would be a normal day a normal week for for me at Watford um and then alongside that there was the camps so we'd have our camps every two or three months I'd be into camp I'd be into meetings where we'd be prepping for a camp so that would be maybe a month before you'd be prepping and you'd um get yourself ready for for the camp so you're not doing whereas in full-time football at Watford we'd be doing um I'm prepping like every every day the day before uh for the next for the next day. Uh, it might change here and there. Um in the England camps, you're prepping like two months in advance. So there's no prep work when you're on camp. It's all it's all to a T. It's bam 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 bam, those three or four, or five days, ten days, and then you know exactly what you're doing. Whereas the day-to-day stuff at Watford is a little bit different. It's well, it could change. They might take two, three first team uh, into the first team tomorrow. I'm prepping. I've got all my numbers down now ready for ready for training tomorrow because we're prepping for Friday. They take two or three players off me and now I'm bringing eighteens up who haven't played yet and I'm having and they haven't done the work that I've done yesterday and Monday. Um so now I have to go back to the back to the office, get the clips up of training, show them a few vital clips of that we've worked on, the press, whether it's pressing from inside or outside or whatever it might have been. I've got to go through that again. For those players who've not really practiced it. But now they're doing it in theory um, and hopefully they take it on board. That's when you see the real learners, I suppose. So, yeah, there's lots of, lots of variants in, in our day-to-day at the club. Whereas with England, I suppose it's, like I said, it's prepped. You know what players you've got. You know they are there with you on camp, no matter what, unless they get injured, touch what they don't. Or they're being, they're being um, uh, regulated because they've come off of a, a game or something from from their club.
0: Oh, definitely, and obviously, as you're now progressing up towards the you know the top end of the PDP, would you say that in the club environment there's a lot it's a lot more reactionary and responsive in terms of who what the fixture schedule showing as we see at nine through to 16, is very much a syllabus a curriculum, um maybe not as structured and uh, you know well maybe not as free and as as uh, flexible as it might be at the top end, and how does that then look obviously going into the national team camps? You know how do you decide on what you are, you, what you're not going to work on, what's relevant, what's not relevant?
1: Yeah, I think um, it's a good good question. Again, I think um,
0: when you're at 23's level,
1: there is a curriculum. We still follow a curriculum, um, but it's only we'll we'll filter things in when we need to. We're coming off of games. We're coming off of what we're trying to get players to become to get them in the first team. So there's a slight difference there in what, what we're allowed to do or what we we need to do to push those players onto the next level. With England... Um, with England, we like it was Justin Cochrane was the lead coach, and it was me and um TC, Tom Curtis, who was assisting. And we would sit down and talk about a plan, talk about how we wanted to play, obviously, within within the within the DNA of England and how we play, which is you know, high possession, high press, high possession, building from the back to create a finish. Um, obviously within that remit. We, we were able to create our plans off of the opposition that we were playing against, but we would study the opposition, we'd watch the opposition because we had time to do it. So we would know before we go into a tournament, we'd have three teams we're playing in our group or whatever, um, what system they play, how they play, it, and what we were going to do against them. So a lot more structured there because you're allowed to be, whereas with Watford, um, you've got to be a little bit looser with, with your delivery and how you deliver and things that might change because things change daily, not daily, minutely <laughs> so um yeah i suppose that's good for your learning and your development
0: just just looking at that then you know what would you see what would you say some of the biggest what would you say some of the most useful takeaways have been for you throughout your coaching journey so far so if you were going back to the start of that journey now and there was maybe one two maybe three key messages for yourself what would be the ones that you give yourself i think um
1: If you've got the confidence and the belief in what you're doing, um, don't be scared. Don't be scared to think that you can't change it. Like I've throughout my coaching, like I love playing football. I love high possession. I love having the ball. I love my team having the ball. I love playing with control, um, and I love being able to build and play through the thirds and and provoke the opposition onto me or onto us. Um, but along the way things have changed slightly and you know you def, you know you've got to understand the game you've got to understand it and you've got to um you've got to change how you've got to adapt and i think so don't be scared don't be don't think you're failing because you're adapting you know that would be the first that would be the first thing for me because there's a difference between like thinking you're failing and and adapting adapting is probably cleverer cleverer than being stubborn do you know what I'm, do you understand what i'm saying with that
0: um yeah, I think f- just recognizing that you know just because you had a plan coming into this doesn't mean you have to stick to that yeah yeah it's probably and- being being more attentive to recognizing actually this plan isn't going to fit what we needed to do anymore yeah can we, you know can we be can we be flexible with that rather yeah. than being stubborn if you like
1: yeah yeah and sometimes sometimes what people say make you stubborn as well you know and i think you've got to try to um got to try to come away from that and say you know what he's got a point like if people you want to have people around you who the other thing would be i want to have people around me that question me about what i'm doing um i might not like it in fact i don't like it but at the same time i've been able to i've been able to uh, um again adapt to dealing with it and say well okay he's got a point if he thinks that then that's fine that's his opinion i still might try it but i'll have it in my mind what he said so that you know you, you can learn from it um that'd be that'd be the other thing um and the other thing would be, you just never stop learning. I mean, my learning and development at England over the last four years has just been like was brilliant, like the insights that I got, the understanding, the game understanding, the breakdown of the game in respect of how I can deliver it, um, in, in smaller in smaller in, in smaller like, smaller smaller clusters in smaller areas, rather than thinking you have to deliver the whole game. Yeah, um, so you're talking about that like
0: attention to detail, yeah?
1: Yeah, attention to detail and creating practices that allow you to practice what you want, you know, specifically. Right. Um, that that for me, I think I've become really good at that. I, I've got practices that I've got now that will let me work on the build, will let me work on the press without having to worry about the next part. You know, everything's about a part. Work that part because you can still work that part and get this part out you can work on this part after but get that part that you want out by creating the practice that allows you to do that you know or a practice within a practice so i'm practicing the build which is the main element of my practice but i'm still creating the next part which allows us to be able to work on the next bit um so yeah they'll be the three things really that i would yeah that i take away with me or
0: you know just on that final point obviously you, you made reference to your time at england and some you know the little things that you've picked up along the way there what would be some of the challenges that you might face in terms of obviously working with these players on a national team camp that are coming in from a club who might be very different to how you guys want to coach these players and yeah you know, at what point do you say right okay we're gonna we're gonna bleed this in but also recognize that this is what you're bringing with you from your club environment how much effort and how much you know time is taken to go and recognize what's actually happening behind those closed doors as well does that make sense
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had that with with a player called Jamie Bino Gittins. You know, he's playing in, uh, he's at Dortmund now. He moved from Man City. Excellent winger. Like, just so, so like focused on, you know, going, getting at people, directness. But that's what he was. It was a winger who just wanted to be wide, you know. And um, we managed to tweak it a little bit. But at the same time, what we did is we said, this is him, you know, this is his qualities. So, you might have to tweak your system in order to work around a player. So, if we were playing like, um, we were playing a 4 three, three, on the right side, we might have had somebody like, um, who did we have? We had, uh, I think we looked, we had Dane Scarlett down the middle, we had Jamie Bino Gittins on the left, and on the right, we had, um, oh, uh, Amari Forsan, Man United, and um, he, he would come in the pocket. So, we could, our practice allowed us to say, right, on this side, you know. Your fullback will be low because Jamie Bino Gittins is not going to roll inside because he's a winger. He'll stay wide. On that side, we can have our fullback who can go and bomb on and, and create the fifth player on that right side because Omari comes inside. So I think it's more about, again, solutions around systems rather than um, solutions around trying to change a player,
0: you know? In doing that, do you find that? With the struggle, the struggle there. Do you think? Do you feel like there is there is a kind of struggle there around what the player is trying to do at their club and bringing that to obviously the national team setup and I guess understanding that. Yeah, that might be. You know, in that case, you you know, you said that you've kind of just gone with what his strength is and felt and you know and slotted that in. But at what point do you guys say as an as 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 a you know do you would maybe address it and say, well, yeah, that's his strength, but it doesn't actually fit with what we want to do.
1: Yeah, well, I mean,
0: the best players in.
1: I mean, I mean, um, obviously, at the younger ages, at the younger ages, we're bringing, we're bringing those players in because they've got certain qualities because we're looking to push them into the senior team. So, if you know you've got a player who's good at that, you'll push him into... Eventually, he'll get to the senior team because he's good at that quality and Gareth Southgate will select him because he's got that quality. It's like at the minute, you've got um, Grealish who can come in the pockets, drop low, get on the turn and get front-facing. You've got... Rashford on the left side who will stay on shoulders and get beyond, would not he? So you've got two players you'll bring into that squad for that reason. So you know you, you, you can change it up. With us, um, yes, we can afford to say, OK, look, we're bringing them in. They've got these qualities. Yes, we want to try and play a certain way um, and we'll get them to to try and play a certain way. And we'll teach them because we're still, we're still educating the players. Um, But when you get one that just you know you're not going to get anything else out of him, you either say, right, we're not going to select him again or you adapt to help him. Otherwise, he's not having a good... Because I think England now is... um, A certain element of England is like they have to come on and enjoy themselves as well, you know? Whereas before it was, you're coming here, which I still think we... I sort of struggled with that a little bit, is that, you know, you're playing for England. You've been called up for England. That's an honour. You know, respect it. Work work hard. Honour the badge. Honour your coaches and you know, give it everything you got. Now it's sort of well, come in, enjoy yourself, make sure you feel happy so you don't go somewhere else. You know, these are the sort of things you're uh, you're dealing with in that respect as well. But again, everything's balanced, everything's um making sure that they, they're learning. I think that's that's the main thing.
0: No, definitely it's definitely a consideration because you're starting to you see some of these young young English players you know, maybe playing for some of their home home countries and their parents, you know, their parents' countries and things like that. So definitely consideration to make. So have you have you had to deal with any situation like that where you've had to maybe persuade a player to stay with England as opposed to not? I wouldn't
1: personally. I, I I just wouldn't. That just goes against everything I believe in. I know we've had that. We we have had that situation or situations where you're sort of like on tender hooks because you're thinking, you know, oh, he, he could go and play for it that that country or that country like as a country I'm talking about but I, I'm totally I'm totally um against that I think if you want to play for your country then you want to play for your country because you love your country as simple as that um, and you'll do everything you can to do that and there's no like oh you treat me better I'm going there you treat me better I'm going there that's how I am I'm probably I'm probably too old school when it comes to that because you would end up losing players but at the same time I would have cut my left leg off to play for play for England, you know. Um so you know, What's that?
0: I'm not sure you would have got a game after that. Well,
1: no, nah, maybe uh <laughs> nah, maybe not not for the uh no, nah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no. Nah, nah, I I get what you mean though. I think it it it, it definitely has changed in in you know the 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 younger generation now definitely have a different mindset to what it was maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. Around. 100%. You can play for your country or even just becoming a professional footballer and as a whole. I think nowadays it almost is, well, I'm 18, I've made it into, I made it, I'm a scholar. I've made it. So, yeah. have, you, have you really? You know, yeah. The grass, you know, the grass ain't that green all the time. So, something to consider definitely. Omar, you know, I'm, I'm conscious of time, and obviously you've, you've given us a lot of insights around your journey and I guess I'm really curious now, and obviously, you know, you've you've gone back through a lot of your playing journey. You've talked a little bit about your coaching journey. If there was anyone listening to this now, thinking, right, what can I take away from this conversation from omar and something that I can implement straight away, what would that be
1: in coaching terms? Yeah,
0: yeah. Whether whether they're a new coach, whether they're a coach just uh, starting a journey, or whether this, you know, they're, they're a few years into that journey and just thinking, right. This is a consideration I haven't made before. What could that I, be? I, I don't know. if it's, I wouldn't have considered it before, but
1: I, I think um, preparation is is key to everything. Prepare properly. If you prepare properly, um, you, give your half yourself, you give yourself half a chance to get things right and enjoy yourself. You know, when you get out on the grass, rather than like I remember, I used to get so nervous when I used to go out on the grass. Really nervous, like it was terrible, terrible nerves. Like, am I going to get it? right am i going to get the things that i want out? am i going to be able to do that? am i going i'm thinking wow what was that all about but i suppose that comes with experience as well um so yeah prepare um prepare prepare best you can for whatever you 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 want to do that that would be my advice
0: Watford on the 23s now where next <laughs> uh,
1: you know what i love it i love it at watford at the minute I, you know i've been there 5 years now and um I've just last year I got my pro license. Um I've worked in England over the last 4 years which I really loved as well. Um I only come away from England because um it, I was just getting too tired. I was doing 4 years of camps and full-time football at Watford every day like uh, every year it was like really difficult like that balance between you know there isn't much balance to be fair with when they say family and 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 football it's you know usually football 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 and family is is special time when you get it. Um and that's how you if you want to get to the top, I think you do have to seriously think that way. Um, what's next for me, I would say, you know, if an opportunity come up for me around the first team at Watford, I would so love to step into the environment now. I'm ready to do it. Um I've been knocking on the door now uh for a while. Um I'm confident. I'm confident to do it and I feel I deserve to do it if it does come about. Um if not, then definitely I think um Senior football will be something that I'm I'm definitely, you know, I've had a taste of it at, at Orient already when I was first team manager there. Um, you know, I want it again. I want competitive football. I love what I do with it with, with the 21s, 23s. It does give me satisfaction seeing the boys progressing and all the boys that have progressed over the over the years. Um, but now it'd be nice to try and take some of those boys that have progressed and have them in a in a first team somewhere, you know. Um that that that's for me now the progression you know whether it's at home or abroad, um, preferably at Watford. But if not, then you know progression has to be where where your whistle takes you.
0: Hope so, mate.
1: Hope so. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to do.
0: Hopefully, you don't cut enough your left legs to do that as well. <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. no. <laughs>
0: Oh uh, my! Uh, no, massive thank you for your time today, and I really appreciate it. Um, no, sure thank you, mate. Great insights man, for everyone that's listening into this as well.
1: Yeah, br- brilliant, mate. No, really, really good, mate. I'll listen on a few of the podcasts as well. It's
0: really good. Amazing. Thank you for your. time. Cheers, I take, mate. Top man. Take care. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete talent and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favourite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care.